All right, so welcome to Project Redemption. This week we are going to go a little off script as you meet a Redemption Press team member and author, Micah Gentman. You could check out her bio below in the show notes. Micah, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here and talking with you today, Athena. Yes, well, First, because you live in the great state of Colorado, which is just like one of the most beautiful states I've ever visited. Give us some fun facts about you because you've lived there your whole life, right? Yes, yes. I'm a native Coloradan and admittedly, I totally fit the Colorado stereotype. I'm an avid mountain biker and a hiker and in the winter I snowshoe and we do this with our whole family. So I have three kids, one who's grown in college. She's not in Durango anymore where we live, but she still does live in Colorado. And then I have two boys, two at homeschool. Obviously, I'm a wife too. And we we just love living in our little town um, of Durango, which is really a, a mountain town. So definitely part of that beautiful God's creation, like you mm. said. Nice. If you could um, kind of give us a little bird's eye view of who God has called you to minister to and how that plays out in your everyday life? Wow, that's such a good question because it's kind of been growing. Uh, At first, you know, I wasn't really sure. I just felt like God wanted me to write. Uh, It was that first book that I published with Redemption Press, and I just knew God wanted me to write out the story of that. But uh, as I've kind of grown into that, that's been almost four years that that's been, I've kind of grown into really realizing that God has really called me to grow in his truth. You know, I was raised in the you know, classic performance-based American culture. I went to, you know, uh, I went to regular school, public school. And then so as I've really grown in his truth, really digging into uh, the word and doing some of uh, those things that have really showed me some of the my my bad beliefs, I'll call them, um, and change them, he's really made it clear that my ministry is to turn around and share that with others. So I, I recently actually, about a year and a half ago, renamed my my blog, um, Grow in Truth, Walk Towards Freedom. And it's funny because I know that that's for me and for me to share. So I'm still growing in truth and walking towards freedom. And then, um, and then hopefully sharing that with other people and helping them do the same thing. Mm. And so the progression of that walking in truth and freedom and, and growing, um, sounds like book number two is kind of, uh, evidence of that happening in your life. God continues to show you things and teach you and give you, uh, truth that really resonates with other women. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's a great way to summarize that. I've just, it's been really this journey uh, from that first book. You know, I really felt like the first one, it feels when I look back on it as more of an invitation to really let God get a hold of my life. Like maybe I was uh, a professing Christian, but I really didn't know what it meant like to really have God be Lord of my life and, and do his will over everything. And that was really the first time that I just was like, all right, Lord, your will be done. And then that just invited me onto this journey of just continuing to say that every day and following him. Now, we all have lots of encounters with God as he draws us to himself. And I just would love to have our audience 
hear kind of that game-changing moment when God just changed, I mean, really went from Savior to Lord and really changed and drew you to himself in an undeniable way. Tell us a little bit what that looked like. Yeah. Oh, well, it's definitely around that that first um, the that the first book that I published with Redemption Press called You Are Loved and Free. And it it's about the story of the time that I was, you know, had worked at this place for a long time. I was expecting a promotion and I got handed a demotion instead. And it was one of those, you know, blindsided, gut punched, you know, moments where I was like, I have no idea what just happened. And I remember I was in Denver. Uh, we lived in Durango, but I was in Denver on a business trip. And so I had a hotel room, which was great because I <laughs> could be by myself. Right. And I was very angry with God. <laughs> and I um, I was, you know, hurling my pillow at the bed over and over um, and asking God what happened, what I don't understand. And I just felt the presence of the Lord more you know, more tangibly than I'd ever felt in my life before, just enter the room and tell me, let's go on a walk. Cause I was right across the street from a park. I knew I'd been in that hotel many times before, and I almost always find God outside. Uh, mm. So I was like, yes, let's go on a walk. And he just really ministered to my heart uh, through that, uh, really showing me that my identity was in uh, my job and in performing and not in him. And it was that first invitation to really say, okay, Lord, okay, I, I, I'm, I can't do this on my own. Um, I have gotten lost and I just need you to lead me. And I, so I wrote that book and then that, you know, is like writing a book and getting it out uh, is a mountaintop experience. Right. And so what I really wasn't expecting after that was the depth of a valley that followed that. I will call it the valley of the severest imposter syndrome I have ever faced. Um, but what I see now is that God really provided that valley because I needed to learn how to walk it out, not in a mountaintop experience, but walk out. Lord, you are the Lord of my life, even when we're in a valley that doesn't look good. You know, because I still had a lot of the worldly beliefs about God, about following God and, and really following him with my whole life. Mm. I love that because it's not those mountaintop experiences where we grow. That's, you know, we're like, oh, thank you, God. And, you know, we're all uh, praising him for what he does. But where he does his deepest work is in those valleys when we see the depth of our depravity and just go, ugh, and the pain that comes with that. And then, you know, he so lovingly walks with us through that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so funny in that, in that valley, the reason I call it the valley of imposter syndrome is, you know, the job, the new job. So the the Loved and Free book ends with me getting a new job and then God calling me uh, to write the book and actually leading me to Redemption Press and, and publishing it. And it was so interesting because it didn't look anything like I expected. The new job was awful. I just felt confused and like a total imposter all the time. And then, of course, you know, these are my first experiences with editing. And so it's hard to get feedback, you know, and then I didn't know, uh, I had no idea how to market the book. So I just was drowning in this insecurity and doubt. And 
But what I really learned in that time through that time is that is that imposter syndrome is really an evidence of trying to perform for our worth based on like worldly ways that we perform instead of resting and working from our God-given worth and callings. Mm. And, you know, that was a big learning for me that I actually walked through that where I needed to learn to rest and work from my identity in Christ instead of, oh, I believe this, but I'm still working from, you know, I'm still working from the performance-based standards of, of the world around us. So tell us a little bit about the process of God taking you through that and planting you in Luke 8 on the parable about this, the seed. How did that really begin to shift how you saw what was happening in your life? It was a journey for sure. I, a three-year journey, uh, really, ha it has been. And it really was about learning the worldly beliefs that I had um, instead of, you know, living with, you know, biblical-based worldview and stuff. You know, when you're raised in the culture, you do have some of those. And also really learning how to fight the accuser. You know, I learned some of that from, from my first journey, but I didn't realize how it would change, right, as I followed God, right? And he really did come after me even harder than I had experienced before. And so, yeah, so God just kept bringing me back to the parable of the soil, especially where Jesus really explains it to his disciples um, in Luke 8, 11 through 15, or in Matthew 13, actually, he explains, um, they, they reiterate that story there too. And listen to what it says. It's so interesting. It says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so they may not believe and may not be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy in their heart, but they have no root. They believe for a little while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked out by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with the noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. And I just felt God was like, you are on the rocky ground. You're in this time of testing and I'm going to use it to grow your roots. Mm -hmm. And you are could get choked out by life's worries, riches, and pleasures if you do not mature into the ways of, of my kingdom and not the kingdom of the world. And also just how, how that time of testing was the invitation uh, or to see how the devil was trying to tempt me with hardship and things like that in that time. Mm. So it was all, I felt like it was like all three. I needed to go through the time of testing to grow my roots. And then also just weeding out those uh, bad beliefs, right? Like he says, life's worries, riches and pleasures that we don't mature and we're choked out by those uh, if we don't, if we don't rid them from our hearts. Totally. And if we don't understand and see the strategy that the enemy uses to try and get us to go back the other way where we were, then, you know, we're more vulnerable to him. And so for you to take that invitation and begin to just look at how he tries to choke out the word and what you can do about it to 
refuse that, to resist it, to do that warfare that, you know, if he can wear you out and take you out and keep you from, you know, testifying to what God has done in your life, he wins. And yeah. I love yeah. how that all kind of came together and began to just move forward into a greater depth than of what God was teaching you. That's, it really came out to be these spiritual disciplines that I needed in my life so that I could fight the enemy, um, that I could learn uh, the wrong ways that I had um, in my mind. And, and it really was those things that this consistency of walking with God every single day with the spiritual disciplines that kept me abiding in him. It's funny. I actually can look back now and say, I didn't really understand uh, what abiding meant and, and how you really play that out in practice in your life. And now I can say, oh yeah, these spiritual disciplines are things that keep me abiding, but they also simultaneously stop me from striving for worth and yet produce much fruit. Mm. It's a super paradox, right? But it's really what I learned in that three-year journey, right? And none of them are revolutionary. None of these spiritual disciplines are, are, are much different than, than what you'd see from other people. But I had to learn how to really practically work it out in my life as, you know, actually live and work and, and do all of those things that God was calling me to do so that I could consistently be in abiding in, in God, working from that place where I'm abiding with Christ. Mm. So you alluded to kind of 11 kind of steps that he gave you to really um, grow in that place and be able to stand firm. Why don't you like give us a top five just so we can kind of get a grasp of what uh, what he began to show you and what you began to practice and actually see fruit from? Oh, yeah, I would love to. All right. So you know this one about me, Athena, but the number one, because the enemy is always after our, our identity, you know, just like he did, he tempted Jesus in the wilderness too. He tempted him about his identity. If you are really the son of God, right? He says that over and over again, but I really had to recommit to stating my identity out loud every morning. This was something that God showed me, but I kind of lapsed on and whew, Man, the enemy jumped in right where I lapsed, right? So uh, we have to make sure that we are living from our God-given identity and repeating it out loud to ourselves every single day. That's part of our spiritual armor, right? That we know who we are. Mm, so good. I, I, I don't know. I For so long, I just would always say it in my head. And then I'm like, you know what? The enemy needs to hear me make that declaration yes. of what God's word says and what I am agreeing with. Oh, okay. Well, second, I would say the biggest, the the the, the first part of this journey uh, takes place right during the first COVID shutdowns. So mm. I just felt like I was like in this place of unprecedented. Remember, we use that word all the time during that time, but it was like unprecedented trouble. I'm like, this is more trouble in our lives than we've ever seen before. I know you've, you experienced that too. I'm sure all of uh, everyone who's listening had some type of unprecedented trouble during that time. Um, but really the enemy just kept using all this trouble in my life to sow doubt, right? Just so much doubt. Who is God? Why is he letting you go through all of this stuff? 
And I, I really needed to know God's heart better so that the enemy couldn't lie to me about him. You know, mm. I, so I really just started this more in-depth Bible study practice, uh, fueled now even further actually by my Logos Bible software <laughs> that I have, but whatever, wherever God had me in whatever book he had me reading, I would just, I just started reading a passage and just asking myself these three questions. And of course I write them down because I'm a, I'm a writer. I journal everything that I do. Um, but these are the three questions that I answer. What does this tell me about God's character? Who is he? Right. What is it? Who is he as revealed by himself? Right. right. Um, what does this tell me about his heart for his people? And three, what does this tell me about the way God works in the world and in the lives of his people? And man, and I, I have to tell you, every time I answer these questions, it never fails. I find myself worshiping in adoration of how good he is because he is just so good and he has revealed who he really is. That is so good because to have it start with, okay, so... What does this reveal about his character? Because that's where the enemy wants us to doubt his character. Yes. Yeah. Woo. That's good. Yeah. All right. Fifth. And this is where I really started pulling weeds, right? This is one of the one of the areas where God just really started saying, hey, this is a worldly way, but it's not my way and it needs to go. <laughs> so I had to learn to let go of control. Mm. I have always struggled with worries and anxieties and worrying is a sign that we've taken control. Ouch. But it's true, right? Trying to control what is out of our control actually causes anxiety. And I, so I just had to start practicing capturing anything that I was worried about, you know, because the funny thing is sometimes we don't even, we don't even know. We're just like, or ruminating on these worries in our minds, you know, and I just had to start praying about it instead. You know, Paul exhorts us in Philippians to be anxious, nothing, but rather present our requests to God. So not that we won't be worried or fearful about some things, but rather that's when we should catch ourselves and say, oh, I need God's help here. I got to present this request to God that I'm worried about whatever it was. And there was a lot to be worried about during that time. So I really just started capturing them. And, you know, if I didn't have time to pray about them during the day, I was really busy in that time. I was still had my corporate job and I was homeschooling my kids because they were home. And I just started writing them down. And then I would pray about them in the evening before I'd go to bed. And that just ushered in so much peace during that time in my life. Well, and especially with that scripture telling you, don't just, you know, tell God everything that you want and need as, so that you're not anxious, but with Thanksgiving. Yes, yes. <laughs> and that's just like the zinger, like, okay. I can yes. And even if all you can be thankful about is at the moment, right, is God, I know you hear me. Well, that is something to be grateful for, right? That you hear me and I don't know why I'm I'm I I'm here, um, but I know you hear me and I know you're working it out. And so that I am going to be thankful for because you are with me. Mm. So, so good. So another weed. Oof, this one's deep for all a lot of us. I had to let go of the approval of man. 
Oh man, it was a struggle with God. I remember I went, I went on a bike ride and it was July. Uh, and I just was just struggling it out with God because I just was like, but God, I really need affirmation. And I don't understand this, like why there are, you know, there are, we need affirmation. It's one of the things that, uh, one of the love languages, right. One of the things that we, um, that we, some of us need. And I felt like I was one of them. And I just felt like God dropped in this so funny, uh, thing that I'd never considered. He's like, it's okay for you needed affirmation, but you just need to get it from the right source me. And I was like, wow. Right. Mind blown. Right. So I was like, you're right. And then he just led me to that place, you know, where, uh, the parable of the talents, right. Where he talks about, you know, how they do the work, the works for him. And he says, well done. And I was like, you know, that's what I really want. I want to hear well done from my father in heaven. Really, he's the only one I should be trying to please anyway. Right. So I started a practice of, um, anytime I kind of feel that uh, pleasure of God over me, like something that I um, that I've done uh, for Him, I just write it. I just revel in it, and I, I'll write it down. But I just let that 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 feeling of God being uh, smiling down on me or singing over me, like it says in Zephaniah, right? Just mm. just ease that place in my heart that I want that affirmation that I am. Um, pleasing and doing good things that please him. I love that. This one I'm just going to share is definitely not uh, one uh, that I have gotten all the way because this is something I feel like is just the tip of my next journey. And it's the, mm. it's really the journey we are all on yeah. um, as followers of Jesus. I really had to learn to submit to God's reparenting or AKA we call it sanctification, right? The churchy word for it. But right. I love thinking about it as reparenting, right? Because he is our good father mm-hmm. and he is the one who wants to teach us his ways because his ways are the best way for us and they lead to the abundant life, right? So I I just after I'd really, you know, started to know him more for, you know, all the times I did the did those questions and stuff, I just really could tell that he wanted to get into those closed off rooms in my heart. You know, I had really hard experiences in my young twenties with my uh, first marriage and um, all those things. And just so many things that I didn't want to go back and face. Um, And so many of the things that I was still walking in sin, honestly, um, that I needed to face uh, because I needed to get out of those ways. And so I just, you know, he really led me to some places where he talks about reparenting. Like I love the one in first Peter, where Peter talks about how, you know, we, we have, we need to grow out of the things that we've inherited from our ancestors, right? That's a great line of, of talking about, we are, we do inherit bad ways from our culture and but we've got to let God reparent us. And so I started a weekly practice of just asking God, where am I still dealing with false beliefs, lies, unhealed wounds? Where am I walking in sin? You know, and just being willing to say, let him lead me in that and say, okay, I Mm. repent. And now I want to make that my focus for the next week or month or however long I feel like God wants me to 
learn about that and learn where it's coming from and repent, right? Which means to go another way. And so I do, I study and learn about God and his ways, maybe in relation to that, trying to find, trying to find places in the Bible um, that show me that Um, even listening to other uh, Christian podcasts or things like that, that really just helped me learn more about, about that topic. And um, I just, you know, really try to weed it out, go, go a different way, go God's way. Um, yeah. And of course that's where I'm still today because we're all, well, this, right? and that's, that's a prayer that God loves to answer yes. when we want to like, let him change us and heal us and let him in. And we're just like, we don't, I don't even know where to start. I don't even want, you know, we're kind of reluctantly oh, saying, yeah. okay, God, whatever you have to do, would yeah. you please show me so I can be more self-aware so I can see where I tend to get tripped up or doubt or fall into sin or whatever. And he just loves to answer those transparent, vulnerable prayers if we just say, God, I don't know where to start. So please show me. He will do that. And he's done that with you. And that is that one is really that sanctification and conforming us to the image of Christ that he wants to do. Right. Yes. I know that's one of the big things that I've focused on, right? He's such a good father to me. And mm. it's, it's really that, oh, that realization of, how Romans 8.29 goes with Romans 8.28, right? That he's taking all of these things and he's working them out for our good. But that good is according to his purpose, which is to conform us into the image of his son. And I just love that because I'm like, okay, God, that's right. You you are not going to remove all these things and make them all good, right? That doesn't mean it means you are going to use them for my good and how I am going to be conformed um, into, you know, into, into the image of Jesus. And this is right all the way home, right? All the way, the rest of our, the rest of our days. It's our, it's our journey to follow. I love that. Okay. So as we start to land this plane and wrap up our time together, tell us about, because a lot of what we've just been talking about is going to be part of your second book with Redemption Press that you are working on. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes. Okay. So it's, it's becoming the rightful heir and it's really an invitation for others to go on the same type of journey of their own, breaking up with the world's ways, leaning into God's ways, learning them um, and developing disciplines of their own that will help them walk, you know, in the spirit's power in all the places that God calls them. Because God's going to call us to all different places. And really what we need in order to, um, you know, to walk in those places is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And that's really what all these practices by doing them consistently showed me. All together, they lead to what I now call the most amazing fruit or the sweetest fruit, something I could never have seen coming at the beginning of journey. It's it's walking in the power of the Holy Spirit instead of my self-sufficient striving ways. And that's really towards the end, I was like, oh, God, you you did it. Truly, the antidote to imposter syndrome is learning to live and move and have our being in the spirit. Nice. So if we have some people 
who maybe want to be notified when, when the book comes out in the spring of 2024, or they maybe want to sign up for your blog and get reminders to whenever you do a blog post, what's the best place for yeah. them to find you? Right now I'm doing a devotional Bible study focused on recognizing these false false beliefs and how God broke me free. So yeah, I would love to have people join. They can join at micaruth.com. You just sign up for the devotional series. It really is a pop-up that's going to come up um, right when they get to the website as well, or they can go to devotions. I'm also going to be doing a 12 steps to get out of imposter syndrome here soon to a free resource for that. So they'll be notified about that too. uh, If they join me at micaruth.com. Perfect. Well, my friend, God bless your ministry. It is so fun to just watch the journey God has you on. Oh, thank you for having me. All right. Well, don't go away. I'm going to be right back with a couple more new Redemption Press authors I want to introduce you to. Bye for now.